Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. It's our 25th podcast episode. And I can't believe we got this far. Um, But in honor of our 25th episode, we thought that we would review the top five things that we've learned that we wish we knew when we were new BCBAs. And these are also things that we've talked about with a lot of our guests that we've had on the podcast. So here we go. The top five things I wish I knew as a new BCBA. Number one is be sensitive to parents and culture. So we talked about this in episode eight with Ashley Cabral and in episode 10 with Lisa Svetnik. And we talked about, you know, cultural competency and really understanding where our families are coming from who have cultural differences, whether that's because they speak a different language or because they have a different background, Um, but really being sensitive to that and making our treatment decisions with that in mind. We also talked to Vidya Banjuri in episode nine about her perspective from a parent. And, you know, when BCBAs or ABA professionals of any kind come into someone's home and expect to just take over and say, let's do it my way or the highway, it doesn't fly. We really, really need to take into account parental goals and cultural goals and cultural norms. You know, so if we're talking about even something as simple as eating, okay, I'm going to teach your kid how to use a fork. But why in in my culture, we don't do that. Um, You know, we, you know, eat with our hands or we eat these particular meals with our hands. So that's not one of our priorities. And I think we've all made the mistake of, you know, including myself of coming into a home or freshly new BCBA. And, you know, we think we know better. We think we know what the treatment goal should be or, you know, how important it is that they have this specific skill. Um, When really over time, what you learn is parents know better and you really have to listen to them uh, because that's really what's going to be effective. So it's really important to take that into account, be sensitive to parents, be sensitive to where they're coming from, whether it's their culture um, or their religion or their attitudes and um, really take that into account. Um, the next thing is 
Number two is be an open communicator. Now we talk about this in terms of, you know, most of us work with people. Um, We're not really trained on the management and, you know, teamwork and communication in all of our task list goals, but it is so important with the people we work with to communicate. That means to communicate with the people that we supervise or that we manage and letting them know what our expectations are, letting them know when they're meeting expectations, when they're not meeting expectations, but also with how we receive feedback on how we can improve. Be open with that and communicate. That's a huge thing. You know, when you're walking into a classroom, especially if it's someone else's classroom as an RBT, you need to be able to communicate with that teacher. You know, my role versus your role. What's the teacher's role? What's this person's role? Similarly, if you're walking, you know, you're in an ABA clinic and you're the lead ABA therapist, you need to be able to say that to, you know, an RBT to say, hey, listen, here's my role as the lead and here's your role as the instructor. Or, hey, you know, as a BCBA, here's what I'm going to do for you and here's what you're going to do for me. Um, But also not only just communicating your needs in terms of what roles are, but also just being open and honest about, hey, listen, I can't do this right now, or I can do this, give me more of this. Um, But oftentimes, it's really, you know, being able to articulate, listen, I can't do that right now, I have too much on my plate. Or, you know, I can't do that, because I don't know how teach me how. So in episode 16, when we talked with Sonia McCrimmon, who is a BCBA and life coach, she mentioned something interesting, which was knowing the difference between imposter syndrome and when it's okay to ask for help. So like Shana was saying, um, being able to communicate when it's an issue of I'm not confident because I don't have the skill and I need help versus is I'm not confident, but I know I could do this anyway. I just need you to remind me that I can do this. So understanding that difference is that we all experience that, you know, feelings, feeling not confident and feeling like maybe we shouldn't be able to do what we're doing or say what we're going to say, but really know the difference and communicate that to the people around you. And with communication, there's also just how you communicate it as well. So, you know, being able to say, hey, listen, I need some help right now is a great way to ask for help. Um, but be just going, oh, this is too much. I give up. I can't do this anymore. I don't like this. I can't, blah, you're giving me too much. It's how it's said as well. So making sure that, you know, when you are asking for help or telling somebody that you can't do something because it's too much for you at this given time, being able to offer solutions with that as well. Listen, can't take this on right now, but next week my schedule clears up. Or, hey, I've got 10 minutes at the end of the day today. If that's not enough time, let me figure this out for three days from now. And for those of us who are supervisors or who manage other staff, um, you know, we're talking about it from a newbie speed's perspective, but also from our perspective, like ask for feedback, ask your staff about what, how you could do better. Um, you know, sometimes we'll send out surveys to the staff in terms of like their, their satisfaction and how well, how supported they feel and any feedback that they want to give to the people, um, that are supervising them. And we need to be open to that. We need to be open to receiving that feedback from them as well, because we want to be able to support them, um, as openly and as well as we can. So true, Shira. We talk so much about giving feedback and how to give feedback, but there really needs to be a whole episode just devoted to how to accept feedback and how to take that feedback back and smile and move on and really incorporate that feedback so that the next time around you can be really great. Yes. Um, so number three is from episode four, when we talked to Kat Savino and it was all about, you know, the multidisciplinary team. So similarly on the topic of communication, but this is more, you know, when you're working with multiple disciplines and, you know, most of the clients we serve probably have different 
team team members there, whether it's different therapists or professionals or doctors or teachers. Um, and she talked about being confident, but also being able to listen to others. So coming into each case um, with a fresh perspective and not just doing things and insisting on doing things because that's what we've been doing all along, that it really matters what we're doing now and what we're going to do differently going forward. Really being open-minded about what other people have to suggest too. Absolutely go to the data and make database decisions. However, also keep in mind that these other disciplines have really great things to offer. I know. And be humble about it. You know, we come into the field often after passing the exam and we're like raring to go and everything has to be ABA and it's all going to be our way. And what you learn is that we don't have all the answers. Um, and often I will actually seek out other professionals now um, because I don't want to have all the answers. I want to participate with them and I want to collaborate with them um, because I've learned over the years that we just can't do it all. So that humility is really important. And there's so many individuals um, out there and every single individual is an individual. They're so unique. So, you know, having that multi multidisciplinary approach at your fingertips is huge because you want to be able to, you know, go at, you know, this from a whole bunch of different perspectives. And number four is becoming, you know, more important than ever um, with, you know, having a lot more voices from the autistic community coming out and being able to explain to us about their experience with ABA or their experience um, with autism. And us as professionals, you know, a lot of us primarily serve the autistic community. We really need to listen to those voices. You know, when we came into the field, um, you know, many years ago, it didn't exist. These conversations weren't happening. And now that they are happening, we really need to listen to those voices and those individuals who are telling us what the community needs. And modify our teaching techniques, right? So in episode 11, when some Summer Mingo came on, um, you know, she was talking about implementing skill-based treatments over compliance training, right? So, you know, 20 years ago, we would go in and say, listen, like we need compliance training, compliance training. It's all about them listening to us and making them do what we tell them to do. Come on, what is that? You know, let's look at what skills are they missing and what skills can we teach versus you need compliance and you need to listen. Yeah. And I think with the conversations that we're having with the autistic community um, is our field is changing and our field has to continue to grow and to improve, um, which really brings us to our most important and our fifth point that comes up almost every episode. And that's keep learning, keep growing. Our field is changing as the conversations change and as more information is coming out there. Um, and we as practitioners and as professionals really need to keep up with the training and with the learning. It's really a lifelong process. If you're in this field, you just have to continue to learn and seek out the knowledge. It's not going to come to you. Like you have to look for it. I joke around because, you know, when I was 25, I thought I knew it all. And now that I'm no longer 25, um, I feel like I don't know anything. Um, you know, life is really about that learning and, you know, you don't need to know it all. You know, you may think you do at 20, um, but you really don't need to know it all. And it's really about knowing where to get that information and how to seek that out. Yeah. I mean, we talked in episode 17 with Tammy Kaiser, who, you know, became a BCBA or is working towards her BCBA, um, you know, much later after certain life experiences and, you know, her passion for seeking out the knowledge that she's interested in and she's motivated to learn. Um, we really have to learn from that and continue to seek out, you know, whether you're becoming a BCBA at 25 or at 55, um, it's continuing to change and to grow and to evolve. So keeping that in mind that you really have 
to keep learning. But realistically, Shira, that's why we started ABA or how to ABA is because we wanted this to be a community for other professionals to be able to share our resources, but also to hear what other BCBAs are saying and to be able to just share um, ideas and have a community to turn to because it can be lonely out there. Yeah. So really to know that we can, you know, you can ask for help in our community. It's a safe place where you're supported, but you can also learn. So, you know, it's about being open and communicating with other professionals, um, you know, taking part in our CEUs, whether they're live or recorded and continuing to learn new content and new material and stuff that's new to you because it's a continuous journey of learning and doing better. Um, And then sharing that with others. Like part of what we're doing is building the community because we think that sharing with other professionals is such an important part of what we do. Um, And, you know, helping each other along the way because we all do very similar things and we really should all be there to support each other. So that's really why we created the community uh, and the resources that we offer as a place where you can go to ask for help and to continue to learn. So that was episode 25. I really hope that, you know, by episode 50, we've got so many more things to share as well. Um, So keep listening. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.